Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Extra Ellen. And I'm Crazy Katie. And together we are Extra Extra Crazy. But for now, let's just keep rolling right into our rolling rehash. Last week, we discussed Chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's prediction, and its corresponding film scenes. Students were being crushed under the weight of exam season stress, leaving very little time to enjoy their pumpkin-flavored basic witch necessities. Hermione's boggart was so predictable, even Trelawney would have guessed it. Once again, Hogwarts put its students through a ludicrous amount of cardio. Even though there was a mass killer on the loose, no one seemed bothered by the creepy hooded guy with the death stick in the courtyard. Malfoy went the right way for a smacked face and got exactly that. Hagrid's hydroponic pumpkins made us wonder what else he grows out of season. Scabbers ruined an entire tin of flour, giving everyone yet another reason to pass on Hagrid's cooking. Ron had a little too much sass for Hermione's liking. Harry was pelted with a prehistoric pebble, and Buckbeak's believed beheading left behind a trio of bereft besties. During episode 55, Jarring Differences, we had two Potter ponderings. The first one was, why are there so many pumpkins in the springtime? Carly wonders if pumpkins grow in different seasons over there. She also wonders if maybe he's trying to make sure they have enough time to get as big as a house. Quincy very succinctly said, Magic! Motherfucker's a wizard! (laughs) Like our sticker. (laughs) Dave says that we can't assume that plants, trees, vegetables, fruits grow the same in the wizarding world as they do in the muggle world. As usual, he poses a bunch of his own questions and wants to know what their growing season is. Can they keep growing for years? Were they normal-sized in the fall, but grew to be big over the winter? Do they have greenhouse charms that protect them from the elements? He suggested greenhouse ototolicus. <laughs> Lickus. <laughs> greenhouse ototolicus. Total lickus. Mike thinks the movie just goofed it. In the book, it does say the pumpkin patch, but unless it actually says pumpkins, it could just refer to the patch of ground where the pumpkins had been. Which makes sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Our other Potter pondering was, what the fuck was hatching out of that egg right next to Hagrid's bed? Carly is 100% positive that it is a scroot. And apparently her 100% positiveness prevented anyone else from even challenging her, since no one else took a crack at what might be hatching from the egg. (laughs) Took a crack. I see what you did there. (laughs) Did you like that? Mm Mm-hmm. Well done. Honestly, I think it makes sense that it could be a Scroot, since we know he has them in the next book. Yeah. I was thinking maybe it's a flabberworm, since they're in the book they're raising flabberworms, aren't they? Yeah, I expected those to be smaller, though, and that wouldn't explain why he would feel the need to cover it with a blanket. Maybe it got cold. (laughs) (laughs) It was cold, so I put a blanket on it and I tucked it in with its teddy bear. That's totally Hagrid, though, so... Could be. My little fwobble worm was cody-wody. He could have just been completely worried that opening the door was going to give it a chill. So he tucked it in first. 
Maybe. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> That's why we asked. True. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Yep. Our trivia question last week was, in the book, what happens to get the Whomping Willow to stop beating Harry and Hermione up? To Hermione's surprise, Crookshank slithers through the branches and touches a knot on the trunk, causing the tree to freeze. Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. He was a minute behind the week before, but this time he was the first one to sweep in with the correct answer. Though he did accidentally post it on the episode post and not the trivia post, which Dave was very quick to point out. Well, yeah. He said when he beats him next week, he just wants it to be as fair as possible. Then Quincy stepped in to call Dave out for talking shit. And Dave responded saying, I have the eye. David will rise to victory. He and Trivia Winds shall reunite soon. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I love the shit talking between Dave and Quincy. It went back and forth for quite a bit after that, too. Definitely one of my favorite parts of the trivia question is seeing who responds and how. Mm -hmm. Mike told Dave to bring it, so this week should be interesting, too. Yeah, we will see if Dave is any better at predicting the future than Trelawney. For now, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 17, Cat, Rat, and Dog, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 17, Cat, Rat, and Dog When we last left Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they had just heard the executioner's axe fall. Still hiding under the invisibility cloak, they hear a howling behind them. Ron and Hermione restrain Harry from going back to see Hagrid, and Ron tells him that Hagrid will be in worse trouble if anyone knows they went to see him. Hermione is in shock as the three make their way back to the castle in the deepening dark. Scabbers is still moving wildly, and while Ron is trying to restrain him, his rat bites him and continues to struggle to escape. Hermione is trying to quiet down Ron when Harry sees Crookshanks heading towards them. While Hermione tries to shoo him off, Ron loses control of Scabbers, who jumps out of his hands and takes off running with Crookshanks following quickly after him. Ron throws off the invisibility cloak to chase after his rat, and when Harry and Hermione catch up to him, he's gotten Scabbers away from Crookshanks and back in his pocket. While the three of them are trying to catch their breath and get back under the cloak, they see an enormous black dog moving towards them. Harry reaches for his wand, but the dog leaps and knocks him to the ground, rolling off of him and turning around for another attack. Ron pushes Harry aside, and the great black dog grabs his arm and drags him away. Harry is suddenly hit hard across the face, hears a yell of pain from Hermione, wipes away blood from his eyes, and when he finds his wand to cast them light, he sees that they're at the Whomping Willow. Harry sees Ron struggling, being dragged by the dog towards a gap in the roots, but the violently swinging branches of the willow prevent Harry from getting any closer. Ron hooks his leg around a root to try to stay above ground, but his leg breaks with a loud crack and Ron disappears. Hermione says that they need to get help and Harry realizes that she's bleeding as well, but tells her that they don't have time and tries to get closer to the trunk of the Whomping Willow. He's unable to gain even an inch and Hermione is quietly pleading for help when Crookshank swiftly makes his way through the branches to press a knot on the trunk of the tree, freezing it immediately. Hermione wonders how her cat knew about that secret knot and Harry tells her that he's seen Crookshanks with the large dog. The two quickly get to the tree's roots and follow Crookshanks down the gap into a low tunnel. 
As Harry and Hermione make their way as quickly as possible through the tunnel, he tells her that the passage goes off the edge of the Marauder's map, but he thinks it ends in Hogsmeade. When they reach the end and find themselves in a dusty room surrounded by broken furniture, Hermione realizes they are in the Shrieking Shack. The two hear a sound above them and climb the disused staircase, hearing a moan from the only room with an open door. They find Ron and Crookshanks in the room, and Ron tries to tell them that the dog is an animagus and it's a trap. Harry turns to see the dirty, waxy, grinning face of Sirius Black, who disarms them using Ron's wand. Black tells them that he knew they would come for their friend and that Harry's father would have done the same for him. This leaves Harry with a burning rage in his chest, a desire to kill the madman in front of him. He unconsciously moves towards him, but Ron and Hermione hold him back, telling Black that he will have to kill them to get to Harry. Sirius's grin widens and he says there will only be one murder tonight. Harry asks why only one when he didn't care about murdering the muggles to kill Peter Pettigrew, and filled with hatred, he manages to escape his friend's hold to attack Black, slamming him into the wall behind him. Harry struggles, fighting blindly and desperately with the dark wizard who now has a firm grasp on his throat when Hermione kicks Sirius and Ron throws himself at the man's wand hand, dislodging the wands he had stolen. Harry snatches up his wand, telling Ron and Hermione to get out of the way while he stands with his wand pointed directly at the murderer's heart. He accuses Sirius of killing his parents, and when Sirius says he doesn't understand and he needs to know the whole story, Harry tells Black that he sold them to Voldemort and that he understands better than he knows. Crookshanks jumps into Black's arms, protecting his chest, and even though this is the moment Harry was waiting for, he's frozen and unable to attack the man. Footsteps are heard approaching. Hermione screams they are there with Black, and Professor Lupin bursts in the room. After he sees Ron on the floor, Hermione by the door, and Harry with his wand raised to attack Black, who is crumbled and bleeding, Lupin shouts Expelliarmus and the three students are once again without their wands. Harry is stunned, his nerves having failed him, but is brought back to the moment when Lupin asks, where is he, Sirius? Black points at a confused Ron, and Lupin has a moment of half-expressed thoughts and realizations with Sirius before he lowers his wand and embraces Black. Hermione screams at Lupin in disbelief and tells the professor that she'd been covering for him. Harry yells that he trusted him while Lupin was Black's friend the whole time. Professor Lupin says that he was not friends with Sirius Black, but is now, and when he tries to explain, Hermione accuses the professor of helping Black into the castle, of wanting Harry dead, and of being a werewolf. Lupin denies helping Black and wanting Harry dead, but admits he is a werewolf and asks how long she's known. She tells him that she's known since Snape's essay, because he was always ill at the full moon and the Bogart turned into the moon when it saw him. Professor Lupin tells her how clever she is and Hermione says if she were clever, she would have told everyone that he's a werewolf. Lupin said that the staff already knows, and that Dumbledore had to convince some of the teachers that he was trustworthy. Harry yells at him that Dumbledore was wrong since he'd been helping Black all along. Wanting the chance to explain, Lupin returns the wands he had taken from Ron, Harry, and Hermione, and puts his own wand away. Harry asks how Lupin knew Black was there if they weren't working together, and it's revealed that Lupin had been using the Marauder's Map and was in fact one of the ones who wrote it. Lupin had been keeping an eye on the three, anticipating they would visit Hagrid before Buckbeak was executed, and even though they had used Harry's invisibility cloak, they still appeared on the map. Lupin had noticed that when they left Hagrid's hut, they were no longer three, but four, 
and he couldn't believe that the name that had shown could have been there with them. He explains that he saw a dot for Sirius Black appear and drag two of them into the Whomping Willow. Ron exclaims that it was just him who was dragged, no one else, and Lupin insists that it was two. He asks to see Ron's rat, and when Ron asks what Scabbers could have to do with any of this, he learns that Scabbers is not a rat. Sirius Black says he's an animagus named Peter Pettigrew. The movie section starts with the trio in an embrace following Buckbeak's execution. As Hermione hugs Ron, crying on his shoulder, and Harry comforts her, the camera pans down to Scabbers. He bites Ron's finger, drops to the ground, and runs off. Ron is shocked that Scabbers bit him and takes off running after him. Hermione calls after him, and she and Harry follow him up the hill toward the Whomping Willow Tree. He dives to the ground and manages to catch his rat as Hermione points out what tree they are near. Harry calls to Ron to run, but instead of getting up, his eyes widen and he points behind Harry and Hermione and tells them to run. A large black dog comes up behind them and growls as Ron yells that it's the Grim. The dog barks and charges towards Harry and Hermione, but then leaps over them and goes straight for Ron. It clamps its teeth down on Ron's leg and drags him across the grass and into a hidden tunnel under the Whomping Willow Tree. Hermione and Harry hurry after them and Harry dives onto the ground, just missing Ron's hand as he is pulled out of sight. Hermione helps Harry up and the two get smacked across the stomach by a tree branch and knocked backward. They get back up and watch the tree twisting and shaking its branches before trying to approach it again to follow Ron down the tunnel. As they get closer, they have to dodge more branches. Hermione ducks and the branch knocks Harry back to the ground where he also loses his glasses. As the branches swing at them again, Hermione manages to jump over one before another lifts her right off the ground and swings her around. Harry has to roll out of the way of a branch that nearly hammers down right on top of him and stands up just in time to have to duck to avoid being hit by the branch that Hermione is clinging onto as she screams for dear life. She is whipped around and down through other branches. Harry frantically searches for his glasses and finds them right as Hermione swings back towards him yelling his name. She grabs him by the shirt and the two fly through the air until she releases him just in time to soar down into the tunnel. He hits the ground and tries to get up, but before he can, Hermione comes tumbling after him and lands right on top of him. She apologizes and they get up again, wondering where the tunnel leads. Harry says that he has a hunch, but he hopes he is wrong, and the two head up some stairs in the tunnel. The camera cuts to Harry coming up through a trap door, with Hermione close behind him. They are inside a dark and dilapidated house that Hermione recognizes as the Shrieking Shack. Harry leads her upstairs as they hear Ron cry out, and they follow his cries to find him sitting in a very dusty room. They ask him where the dog is, and Ron tells them that it's a trap. He isn't a dog, he's an animagus. He points, and the camera focuses on dog paw prints in the dust that lead to Sirius Black standing in the corner behind the door. He closes the door and begins to walk toward them. Hermione steps in front of Harry and tells Black that if he wants to kill Harry, he'll have to kill them too and Black says that only one will die tonight. Harry shoves Hermione out of the way and yells that it will be him, and lunges at Black, getting his hands around his neck and taking him down to the floor. He pulls out his wand and points it at Black's face, who laughs and asks Harry if he is going to kill him. Before Harry can do anything, the door opens and Lupin bursts in and says, Expelliarmus, disarming Harry and motioning for him to move away. 
Harry gets up and hurries back over to Hermione as Lupin addresses Black, calling him ragged and saying that the flesh reflects the madness within. Black comments that Remus would know all about the madness within, and Lupin lowers his wand, helps Black up, and the two embrace. Hermione is appalled to see the two men hug, and as Black is saying that he found him, let's kill him, she yells no. She says she trusted him, and all this time he's been Black's friend. She turns back towards Harry and informs him that he is a werewolf, and that's why he's been missing classes. Lupin wonders how long she has known, and she tells him that it's been since Professor Snape set that essay. He tells her that she really is the brightest witch of her age, and Sirius interrupts, saying, Enough talk, let's kill him. Lupin tells him to wait, and he screams that he did his waiting. Twelve years of it. In Azkaban. Lupin looks from Black to Harry and hands the wand back to Sirius, saying, Very well, kill him. But wait one more minute, because Harry has the right to know why. Harry says he knows why. He betrayed his parents and is the reason they are dead. Lupin tells him that it wasn't Black. It was somebody who, until quite recently, he believed to be dead. Harry asks who it was, and then Black says... Peter Pettigrew. So last week we described this section as not really corresponding, but honestly, it runs pretty parallel. Mm -hmm. They just changed a lot of details and left a few things out, too. A good portion of it is definitely just the movie dramatizing things, as we know they like to do. But yeah, it actually does line up better than we initially thought that it would. Both pick up right after the trio's shock over Buckbeak's execution, but as I said before, the details are quite a bit different. In the book, they are under the invisibility cloak and can hear incoherent howling coming from Hagrid. Ron and Hermione have to restrain Harry, who wants to go back to check on him. They make their way back to the castle as it gets darker outside, and Scabbers continues to struggle against Ron's grip. The movie forgoes those extra details and jumps straight to Scabbers biting Ron and dropping to the ground to escape. This happened in the book too, but Ron doesn't immediately drop him. He just reacts loudly to being bit, causing Hermione to worry that someone will hear them. But Ron is too busy trying to keep a clearly terrified Scabbers to stay put. I wonder if the Scabbers Ron was holding in the movie was just a really shitty looking animatronic rat and that's why they cut right to ron chasing him maybe but doing it that way cut out the fact that crookshank showed up too either drawn in by scabbers's squeaks or just completely aware that the trio are there despite being under the invisibility cloak hermione tries to shoo him away and scabbers finally manages to slip through ron's fingers and takes off into the night ron throws the invisibility cloak off of himself and runs after him like i said in the movie, he just runs right after him, followed by Harry and Hermione. They run after him in the book as well, and it's specifically mentioned that they run with the invisibility cloak trailing behind them because it's impossible to run while they're both under it. Which they obviously can't have them do in the movie since they never bothered to grab the cloak. But Ron manages to catch up to Scabbers and dives to the ground to capture him. Again, similar to the book, except Ron also has to try and shoo Crookshanks away as he manages to catch Scabbers and get him back in his pocket. Hermione tries to get him to come back under the cloak when an enormous black dog comes bounding towards them. This is sort of similar in the movie. Ron is on the ground, having just caught Scabbers, and Hermione and Harry realize he is right in front of the Whomping Willow Tree. Harry yells at Ron to run, and in response, Ron's eyes widen as he points behind them and tells them to run. 
The giant black dog leaps over Harry and Hermione and charges at Ron. In the book, the dog actually knocked Harry over, rolled off of him, and geared up for a new attack. Ron had gotten back up and pushed Harry aside. The dog's mouth closed on his arm, and even though Harry grabbed a handful of its fur, it easily began to drag Ron away. In the movie, there is no struggle. The dog just goes straight for Ron, grabs him by the leg, not the arm, and begins to drag him toward the Whomping Willow and down into a hidden tunnel. Harry and Hermione hurry after him and end up having to dodge tree branches. In the book, they start to run after Ron too, and end up discovering that they're near the Whomping Willow tree as it starts pummeling them. Harry manages to light his wand just in time to see the dog drag a struggling Ron slowly out of sight beneath the tree. He managed to hook his foot around a tree root to slow the progress, but with a loud crack, his leg breaks and he slides completely out of view. Ron's leg never breaks in the movie. The dog just easily drags him into the hidden tunnel. The real action occurs with the Whomping Willow, which definitely lives up to its name. Though I'm still torn about how I feel that the Whomping Willow fight scene basically looks like a cartoon. Yeah, it was another instance of a more slapstick dramatic moment. In the book, Hermione wants to go for help, but Harry says there isn't time, and the two get beat up pretty well by the tree until Crookshank slithers through the branches and places a paw on a knot on the trunk. Which was our trivia question, and not even remotely close to how it happened in the movie. Crookshanks never even makes an appearance during that scene. Yeah, they completely omitted the connection between Crookshanks and the black dog, too. Hermione wonders how Crookshanks knew, and Harry explains that he's seen him with the dog. He tells Hermione to come on, and they follow the cat through the gap in the roots, crawling in a tunnel under the tree. Which is clearly way too boring for the movie, since they had a branch knock Harry to the ground in a total Velma moment as his glasses flew off his face. Hermione jump ropes a branch only to have it swing back around, catch her in the torso, and twirl her like a lasso. And let me tell you what, the fat lady could really learn a thing or two from Hermione about how to break glass with her voice. Right? I'm surprised Harry's glasses survived this whole debacle unscathed. Honestly, I'm so impressed that Harry actually found his glasses on the ground too, because there's no way I would have found mine if that happened to me. I don't wear glasses, so I wouldn't have found mine either. Anyway, Hermione screams Harry's name as the tree swings her around and she grabs him by the shirt as she flies past him. Her apparently vice-like grip manages to lift Harry off the ground and take him flying with her until she lets him go and he just sails right into the hidden tunnel. Total cartoon moment. Right? And definitely not how it happened in the book. (laughs) Facts. He lands pretty hard in the tunnel and starts to get up, but Slapstick says that Hermione must land on top of him and smash him back to the ground. Of course it does. This doesn't happen in the book since the tree has been frozen and they're able to just crawl right into the tunnel without the added drama. Which clearly the movie finds necessary. Hermione apologizes as they get up and she wonders where the tunnel leads. Harry says he has a hunch. In the book, she asks where Ron is, and Harry leads her down the tunnel after Crookshanks, and then she asks where the tunnel leads. He says that he doesn't know, it's on the Marauder's map, but no one has ever gotten into it. It looks like it ends up in Hogsmeade. Harry's hunch implies that he doesn't think it heads anywhere good, because he also says he hopes he is wrong, and the two head up some steps in the tunnel. This is not at all how the book described the tunnel. 
They basically had to be bent forward, practically crawling to get through the tunnel. But that also would have been a logistical nightmare to film, so I can see why they changed it how they did. Yeah, true. As with the other tunnel that leads into Hogsmeade, this one feels like it goes on forever and is probably worse since they're basically crawling. When they finally reach the end, they end up in a very dusty room with boarded up windows and Hermione realizes they're in the Shrieking Shack. In the movie, also like the other tunnel that leads into Hogsmeade, they basically cut out the actual traveling through the tunnel part. It just cuts to them climbing through a trap door into a dark room that Hermione recognizes as the Shrieking Shack. Then they immediately head up some more stairs to the second floor. The book makes it a point to acknowledge that the damage done to furniture in the room was clearly not made by ghosts. But they do hear something move upstairs and head up that way. There was only one door open, and as they crept towards it, they heard a low moan and a loud purring. In the movie, we can hear Ron cry out, but since Crookshanks isn't there, there's no purring. It'd be really weird if there was, wouldn't there? Right? What are you doing, Ron? <laughs> Seriously. They follow the sound of Ron's cries and find him sitting in a very dusty room. When they ask him where the dog is, he tells them, It's a trap! He isn't a dog, he's an animagus! And he again points behind them. This is somewhat similar to the book, because they enter the room, they find Ron on the floor with his legs sticking out at a strange angle. Ew. It's broken. Yeah, still ew. They ask if he's okay and where the dog is, and he manages to say that it's not a dog, it's a trap. He stares over Harry's shoulder, and he says, he's the dog. He's an animagus. In both, they look behind them, and holy shit! It's crazy Gary Oldman. I mean, not technically in the book. I don't care. In my head, it is. But Sirius is kind of a shitty hide-and-seek player, though. Like, you do know we can see you, because you're only hiding behind half a door, right? Well, I mean, he is crazy Gary Oldman, after all. It's probably not in his best interest to all of a sudden switch it up and be mild-mannered Gary Oldman. Sane Gary Oldman! <laughs> No, it doesn't work as well without two syllables. Mm -hmm. Stable Gary Oldman. <laughs> and still not as good as crazy Gary Oldman. Never will be. Nope. In both, serious. Crazy Gary Oldman. In both, crazy Gary Oldman <laughs> closes the door. In the book, he uses Ron's wand to disarm Harry and Hermione. Their wands go flying through the air and he catches them. He speaks in a very hoarse voice, telling Harry that he thought he'd come help his friend. His father would have done the same. This taunt about his father caused hate to take over Harry, and it specifically mentions that for the first time, he wants his wand back so he can kill him. Hermione says, Harry, no! And Ron manages to stand and tell Black that if he wants to kill Harry, he'll have to kill them too. The movie, of course, set up the fact that Harry wanted to kill Black way earlier, and it doesn't have him disarm them. It just goes straight to Grand Theft Audio Hermione. If you want to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. And of all the lines that Hermione has stolen from Ron, especially this one, just hurts the most. I know. Ugh, I can't. This is just such a strong Gryffindor moment for Ron, and he doesn't get enough of those as it is. Mm -hmm. He certainly doesn't need to be bilked out of more of them. Right? Also, if crazy Gary Oldman were going to kill Harry, why the hell would Hermione think he'd care about killing them too? 
Like, oh, well, I just wanted to kill Harry, but if I have to go and kill his two sidekicks as well, I mean, that just sounds like an awful lot of energy. I think I'm good, so never mind. Peace, Hogwarts. Crazy Gary Oldman out. Yeah, this just became too much work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Three people. That's too much for me. That's too many. I'm done. I'm just going to go back to Azkaban. In the book, the act of standing causes the color to drain from Ron's face, and Black actually tells him to lie back down so he doesn't damage his leg anymore. Instead of paying attention to the huge clue here that Sirius Black is showing some kind of compassion, Ron just repeats himself, saying he will have to kill all three of them. In both, he responds by saying there will only be one murder tonight. At this point in the movie, Harry just shoves Hermione aside and tackles Black. This happens in the book too, but it gets a bit more of a build-up. Harry sasses Black first, saying, Why's that? Didn't care last time, did you? Didn't mind slaughtering all those muggles to get at Pettigrew. What's the matter? Gone soft in Azkaban? Which just goes to show that Harry has more sass than sense. Oh yeah. (laughs) Hermione tells Harry to be quiet, but he's reached his caps lock Harry breaking point and just screams, He killed my mom and dad! Then he attacks Black, tackling him into the wall and punching every inch of him he can reach. In the process, Black's free hand finds Harry's throat and tightens around it. But then, Hermione kicks him and Ron throws himself onto Black's wand hand, and the wands clatter away from him. At this point, Crookshanks also enters the fight, and Harry has to shove him away before he can grab his wand back. This is another one of those rare instances where the book is actually way more dramatic than the film. Not only more dramatic, but also quite different because after his initial tackle, it's Harry who gets his hands around Black's neck, not the other way around. He then pulls out his wand and points it right at Black's face. Well, the wand pointing kind of happens in the book, too. Hmm. Harry gets his wand and tells Ron and Hermione to get out of the way. He then points his wand at Black, who asks him if he's going to kill him. Harry says, you killed my parents. And Black says that he doesn't deny it, but Harry doesn't know the full story. Harry says that he sold them to Voldemort and that's all he needs to know. But Black begs Harry to listen to him, saying that he doesn't understand. Harry insists that he understands well enough and mentions hearing his mum trying to stop Voldemort from murdering him, telling Black that he did that. Then Crookshanks leaps right onto Black's chest and settles himself there, looking right at Harry. Again, this obviously couldn't happen in the movie, since they didn't include Crookshanks at all in this scene. It's details that are definitely really interesting, but not necessarily important to furthering along the main plot. Yeah, but Harry actually considers killing the cat, too, then ultimately can't kill either of them, and just stands there frozen until they hear some muffled footsteps downstairs. Hermione yells that they're upstairs with Sirius Black, and the footsteps come thundering up the stairs. Lupin comes barreling in the room and disarms Harry, along with the two wands Hermione's holding. All the extra details aside, this sort of happens in the movie, too. Harry has Black by the throat and his wand pointed at his face. But before he can do anything, Lupin comes in and disarms him. Hermione and Ron don't have theirs out, so they're not disarmed. But this is also where the movie starts to deviate away from the book again. Right? In the book, the first thing he says after Expelliarmus is, Where is he, Sirius? 
This confuses Harry as Black slowly raises his hand and points towards Ron. Lupin wants to know why he hasn't shown himself until now and his eyes widen as he realizes that they switched without telling him. Harry starts to ask what's going on, but Lupin lowers his wand, pulls Black to his feet, and embraces him like a brother. <laughs> yeah, brothers that totally want to bang each other. <laughs> I do love the Remus serious shippers. It's adorable. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in the movie, Lupin makes a comment about how ragged Black looks, saying that the flesh reflects the madness within. And Black responds by telling him he'd know all about the madness within. And my headcanon here is the whole madness within exchange was something that they'd say to each other back in the day, especially when Lupin would walk in a room to find Sirius hungover and miserable after a long night of, like, drinking and debauchery. I like it. <laughs> right? But then they hug like brothers who want to bang each other. <laughs> in both, Hermione freaks out, yelling that she trusted him. The book actually includes a lot more detail than what the movie scene shows. What?! I know, it's shocking, right? It's crazy talk. She also yells that she doesn't believe it, that she's been covering for him, and didn't tell anyone. Lupin tries to explain, but she cuts him off, saying all this time he's been his friend. When Lupin again tries to explain, she talks over him and tells Harry not to trust him because he's been helping Black get into the castle, he wants him dead too, and he's a werewolf. Dun-dun-dun! Dun-dun-dun! Oh my god, the shock! In the movie, she just goes right into yelling that he's a werewolf, and that's why he's been missing classes. In both, Lupin wants to know how long she's known. But the book also has Lupin tell her that she isn't up to her usual standard, because she only had one out of three correct. He hadn't been helping Black get into the castle. He certainly didn't want Harry dead, but he won't deny that he is a werewolf. In both, Hermione responds, since Professor Snape set the essay. It's almost as if he had, like, I don't know, an ulterior motive for giving that assignment or something. What? It's crazy talk, I know. Snape doesn't do things. Snape has ulterior motives? No. no. <laughs> Though the book also has Lupin say that Snape will be delighted because that's exactly why he set the essay. <laughs> He wondered if Hermione checked the lunar chart and realized he was always sick at the full moon, or if she noticed that the Bogart changed into the moon when it saw him. And Hermione said, both. I mean, to be fair, who didn't notice the Bogart changed into the moon when it saw him? Like, obvious much? The movie definitely made it way more obvious. Mm-hmm. In both, Lupin tells Hermione that she's the cleverest. Well, he says brightest in the movie. But she's the cleverest witch of her age. And in the book, Hermione says that she's not, or she would have told everyone what he is. Lupin tells her that the staff already know, and Ron is surprised that Dumbledore hired a werewolf. Lupin said that Dumbledore had to work hard to convince certain teachers, Cough, Snape, cough. That he was trustworthy, and Caps Lock Harry shows back up screaming, And he was wrong! You've been helping him all the time! Damn, bro, chill. Caps lock Harry, man. Saying. Lupin insists this isn't the case and asks for a chance to explain. He even gives their wands back to them and tucks his away so they are armed and he and Black are not. Not a bit of this happens in the movie. No. 
Mm-mm. Harry wants to know how Lupin knew Black was there, and Lupin tells him that he was examining the map. And because Book Harry actually asks questions, he immediately asks about Lupin knowing how to work it. Of course, the movie had already previously told us that Lupin knew how to work the map, since he told Harry that after confiscating it. Right. But then Lupin launches right into explaining that of course he knows how to work the map. He helped write it. And he shares that he is Mooney. What? I mean, but what though? Like, that's definitely not how it happened in the movie. I know, and I can't believe they left this out. (laughs) (sighs) I can. Have you been paying attention? (laughs) Fair enough. Lupin cuts Harry off before he can ask any more questions and tells them that he was watching the map because he had an idea that they might try to sneak down to Hagrid's before the execution. He says that even with Harry's cloak on, which he knows all about because of the number of times he saw James disappear under it, they still show up on the map. I really wish that we had gotten this information in the movie. I know. Ugh. <sighs> Lupin continues talking, saying that when they left Hagrid's hut, they were accompanied by another person. Harry insists that they weren't, but Lupin goes right on explaining that he couldn't believe it. He thought the map must be malfunctioning. Then the serious black dot collided with them and pulled two of them into the Whopping Willow. Ron angrily says that it was just one of them, but Lupin corrects him, saying no, Ron, it was two. This was such an amazing reveal in the book. It's a little disappointing how the movie did it, but they did add other things that helped take some of the sting out. After Lupin calls Hermione the brightest witch of her age, a very impatient, crazy Gary Oldman interrupts him to say, Enough talk, Remus! Let's kill him! And to be fair, Sirius was being kind of cryptic about who he was going to kill. Yeah, I mean, Harry's a him. I totally thought he wanted to kill Harry. Also, side note, Sirius's teeth totally deserve their own film credit because those bitches are doing some major acting. Seriously. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but Lupin tells him to wait, and this is one of the moments that takes the sting out. Because it's a total Rocky Horror and the Prisoner of Azkaban moment. Crazy Gary Oldman screams, I did my waiting! Really? How long? Twelve years of it! Holy shit, twelve years? Where? In Azkaban! (laughs) (laughs) It just goes through my head every single time I watch the movie. I can't can't help it. I'm happy to act that out with you. Thanks. It's a lifelong dream of mine. Check that one off the bucket list. Bam! Right there. Lupin tells Sirius very well, but to wait one more minute because Harry has the right to know why. Harry says he knows why. He betrayed his parents and is the reason they're dead. Lupin tells him that it wasn't Black. It was somebody who, until quite recently, he believed to be dead. This was implied in the book when Lupin was saying that the map was malfunctioning and questioning how he could be with them. But in the book, he just flat out asks Ron if he can have a look at his rat. Ron wants to know what Scabbers has to do with it, and Sirius tells him that he's not a rat. He's an animagus by the name of Peter Pettigrew. The movie doesn't reveal that the rat is involved just yet. Harry wants to know who Lupin believed to be dead, and Sirius speaks up to say, Peter Pettigrew. And 
And we're going to cut the movie off here. Because that gets it as close to lining up with how the chapter ends. Yeah, like we were saying, lots of differences, but still lines up fairly well. And now the thing I've been waiting for for 17 chapters, we finally get to talk about Crazy Gary Oldman as Crazy Gary Oldman. <laughs> love Crazy Gary Oldman. He's amazing. I just love him. He is amazing in everything that he does. I know. I remember when he was cast and people were like unsure. I mean, I've, even I was unsure at first, you know, but after the movie came out, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's serious. That's that's totally serious. No, the second that I heard that's who Sirius Black was going to be, I was like, yep, that's it. I didn't hate it when I heard. I was just kind of like, okay, we'll, we'll see how he does it. Because he's such, like, he changes so much for every role. Like, it's just so interesting to see what choices he's going to make. He can become unrecognizable. Oh, completely. He's a chameleon. I call him a shapeshifter. That works too. He's incredible. Like, he just is. And we've been talking about him as crazy Gary Oldman throughout this whole thing, obviously. Right. That's something that keeps happening. Katie loves saying that, so we keep putting it back in there. Crazy Gary Oldman. It's just fun. Try saying it at home. I dare you. Just do it. It's I fun. I would honestly be surprised if they haven't already. <laughs> but, I mean, that kind of encompasses exactly what he brought to this role. Mm -hmm. And we'll end up talking about him a little bit more, I think, because he, he gets to keep going with his role. But I think that 12 years in Azkaban is definitely like one of the pinnacle moments of his performance. Yeah. Like it is mm -hmm. just, it's intense. It is. It's like camping. Honestly. <laughs> God, fuck you, man. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, shove a pup tent up your ass camping. <laughs> intense <laughs> oh no I, yeah I got it I got we're good we're mm -hmm. good there <laughs> anyway but yeah I know people were nervous when they were Gary Oldman and David Thewlis were cast because they were so much older than than the character is essentially yeah in the book but so is Snape though yeah but also I always looked at it though too as as okay yeah but Sirius has been in Azkaban for 12 years. Like, that's going to age you. Come on. Yeah. Remus is a werewolf. So that ages you. Like, it made sense to me. Like, I could still see the age being right. You know what I mean? And, and I can also understand wanting that significant age gap between the kids and the adults in the movie. Yeah. It's also not uncommon for Hollywood to play people that are older than they are younger. So. Oh, yeah. It's funny that you also mentioned David Thewlis because actually I'll share the link to it. But there is a phenomenal interview with Gary Oldman and David Thewlis. And they're both just so calm in nature, naturally. Mm -hmm. Like it works for Lupin. But to see Gary Oldman be Gary Oldman. Right. And like he's a fucking shapeshifter. So to see him be himself. You're just like, what's happening right now? Who is this person? I know. It's so, but it's, it's a fun interview. I'll share it. Yeah. I love them so much. I just mm -hmm. do. <laughs> I can't think of anything that I haven't seen Gary Oldman in where he hasn't just been amazing. Oh, I know, right? Nine times out of ten, if I don't know prior to watching something that Gary Oldman is in it, I don't know that it was Gary Oldman until the credits. And then I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> that was Gary Oldman? What? It's actually really weird to see him in movies when he still looks like Gary Oldman. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I like those movies, though, because I would so do Gary Oldman. Oh, my God. <laughs> Add him to the list. I, oh, boy. He is on that list, man. But yeah, he did He did fantastic. We loved him as serious. Mm-hmm. I dig it. This will bring us to our Potter pondering. Nothing made us specifically ponder that much, so in general, we just want to know what your thoughts are on how different these two sections were, despite being somewhat similar. Yep, find the post on our Facebook page and let us know what you think. We look forward to reading them. And this will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Adrian Gaspard. She writes... I am a Hufflepuff, my wand is spruce wood with a phoenix feather core, and my Patronus is a Nebelung cat. I was nine in 98 and was already super interested in anything fantasy. I read a ton as a kid, so I was at that point that I had read most of the books in my interest range in the library and came upon Sorcerer's Stone. I devoured it in one day and went on and on about it to my dad. So he read it too. From then on, I read each book as it came out and went to all of the midnight releases. It was a cool thing my dad and I did together. I so clearly remember reading each book as soon as I got home and fighting to stay awake after waiting in line at Barnes & Noble at midnight and having tear-stained pages for each loss. When they started on the movies, I was super excited to see how they cast everyone and how the story would come to life. I was super impressed for the first four, less so with the remaining four, but I still went to see everyone in theaters. Because, of course. Now I'm 31 and still in love with the series. Aw, us too. Except for the 31 part. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Adrian. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story in a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. You can also just message us on social media. And this will bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, what are the four animals that the Marauders turn into? The prize for the first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag Animagus will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at justkeeprolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. In addition to getting you some extra perks, like Just Keep Rolling swag, patron-only Facebook groups, virtual meetups, bonus content, and more, your patronage also helps us continue producing this podcast, our cooking show, and bringing more content your way. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, monthly blooper reels, vlogs, and other random videos. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, and the basically no corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling. Thank you.